grandfather was a great carver. After he retired, he picked up this skill, he learned how to do it, and he would make everything from toys to little wooden people or faces and walking sticks. And he would collect these little plastic figures of people and animals, kind of like you would get at those old like 25-cent toy machines they used to have outside of stores. And he would use them as kind of a pattern as he was carving. He would take the wood, and next to this little figure, he would begin to whittle and carve the wood into the shape of the face or the person or the creature that he had set before him. This is what it means to conform. He was taking a pre-existing piece of wood and conforming it to the image of another shape or form, stripping away and carving away out all the pieces that didn't fit into his plan or design. And really, every day, we are allowing that to happen in our life. We're conforming our lives to some plan or purpose or dream or identity. And the question Peter wants to ask is, who is the carver? What design are we conforming to? And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, remember verse 13 said, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 14, he continues, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. And so remember, Peter began this letter by laying out the foundation of the gospel. And only after we examined the truth of this living hope that we have, does he dive into how to therefore live holy lives. It reminds me of the old illustration that in the FBI, they would train agents to detect counterfeit money, not by researching all the different types of counterfeit money they had confiscated or all the different new ways people are producing these fake bills, but instead they would take an authentic bill and they would sit them down in front of that bill so that they could study it so intently and carefully that anything that wasn't the real thing would stand out like a sore thumb if they saw it. In the same way, Peter is saying, you've heard the truth of the gospel. We've just read it. Now live holy lives according to that hope. And don't conform to some tempting counterfeit hope that the world may offer. And actually what Peter says in this verse is that it's not just the world that tries to conform us, but actually what is already inside of us. Passions of our former ignorance. The NASB says former lusts. I like how the New Living puts it. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Before Christ was the Savior in your life, and before you were fully surrendered to Christ as Lord, you, like me, had deep longings within your soul that you tried to satisfy with the things of the world, what Peter calls former passions. And you had no idea how to actually satisfy those. We live that way because we were ignorant of what our soul was ultimately longing for. But now, through the Holy Spirit opening our eyes, we do know. Proverbs 26.11 correlates repeating sin to a dog returning to his vomit. A dog doesn't know what vomit is. They just see it as food. This is something that provides a bit of nourishment, and it fulfills me. But that's not the food they really need. Don't conform to the former vomit of your life. Why now that you know the truth, would you go back to that stuff? And Peter isn't just talking about sin and bad things here. Desires and passions aren't necessarily a bad thing. 
These are simply the things that your heart longs after, that you seek satisfaction and joy through. The spirit of his instruction here is to stay away from not just bad desires, but over-desire. We might desire to do well in our job so we can get a promotion and can have a good savings account and provide for our family, but if that becomes an over-desire, it can slowly kick God off of the throne of your heart and end up harming what you actually were working for, your family and their emotional well-being. We might desire a bigger house, a boyfriend or girlfriend, the latest phone, a bigger retirement account, or you fill in the blank. But don't ignorantly conform yourself to it, whittling and carving away everything that does not fit in that box. You see, holiness is not just saying no to the obviously bad things. Holiness is checking the motives of your heart and saying, why do I want this good thing so badly? If those are our former passions, Peter is implying that we have current and future passions that are different as believers of Christ's living hope. And what is that? Hebrews 12 says that we should lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So we're called to replace our former passions and lusts with Christ and his gospel. Fix the eyes of your heart on him. Hope in his salvation. Be lifted up by his grace. Be satisfied in his joy. Be grounded in his peace. May these be our life's passions. And so what is the motivation, the power for this type of holy living and these passions? Well, it's how Peter began the verse. As obedient children. Now that we have been radically born again by the grace and mercy of God, I am now God's child and I should desire to walk in obedience Yeah, children have some natural likeness to their father. My oldest daughter, Aubrey, has always been like me in a number of ways. She's just naturally content to be by herself and get lost in her own creativity. That's nothing I ever taught her. But children also have developed likeness to their fathers. Aubrey loves to read. She's an avid reader. And she learned that at a young age when I would spend time every night reading to her. We would read through whole book series together. And being the oldest, she got the benefit of having time for that. But it has developed in her a love for stories. You are made in the likeness of God. Much of God's character is hardwired in you. But to be fully obedient children, you must also develop the character of God in you, which can only come by spending time with him and growing in love and faith and wisdom. And this is one of the main reasons we should care about this so that we can look like our Father who loves us. So let me ask you a couple questions. What do you have in your life that if it were taken from you, you would question God's goodness? That's probably a sign of over-desire working in your life. What about this? What do you not have in your life that you think, if I just had this, everything would be okay? And that's another way of saying, if I had this, then I would not need God because I would feel okay without him. So as obedient children, don't keep going back to those passions and over desires that used to capture your ignorant heart. But instead, we'll see next week, instead of pursuing those things, pursue holiness because God is holy. 
And until then, let's pray. God, we are your children. We love you and we are thankful that you are our Father. May we be obedient as we learn to love Christ more than anything in this world. Help us to value you, trust in you, depend on you, prioritize you, and give us your kingdom perspective. Take your rightful seat on the throne of our heart today. In every word we say, in every thought we think, in everything we do. In Jesus' name.